In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the first Sunday of Lent. We will have six total Sundays of Lent, uh, five and then Palm Sunday being the last. Uh, This is a little bit more than 40 days because we don't count Sundays as part of Lent because uh, Sundays are uh, little Easter's or Easter is a big Sunday. And so uh, we are counting now our time in the wilderness with the Lord uh, throughout these 40 days. Uh, You'll remember that uh, what we're doing in this Lent, what we're called to do on Ash Wednesday, is uh, to engage throughout this time in self-examination and repentance. That's our plan for these 40 days, self-examination and repentance. So we're supposed to be examining ourselves, looking at our own motives, looking at our own actions, uh, looking at our own thoughts and feelings, and then we're supposed to be making those adjustments that we call repentance, right? That is, we're saying, uh, this is the way I have been going or what I have been doing. This is what the Lord wants me to do. I was doing this, and now the Lord is asking me to do that. So we're called to make these adjustments in our life towards righteousness that we call repentance. And he's given us four tools in order to engage in this self-examination. Those four tools are fasting, almsgiving, prayer, and the reading of God's holy word, the Bible. So we're supposed to be using these tools for self-examination. Fasting, almsgiving, prayer, and the reading of God's word. And in doing these things, we're more and more going to be recognizing, oh, this is God's will. This is the way he's asking me to live my life. This is the way I'm supposed to be thinking and feeling. And we'll be able to make those adjustments. You remember that this is the response that we're supposed to have to the gospel. If you remember uh, St. Peter and the Acts of the Apostles, uh, on the day of Pentecost, there's thousands gathered, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and Peter preaches to them, and the people say, oh, this is the gospel, this is who Jesus is. And they ask Peter, what now shall we do, right? And he tells them what? Repent and be baptized. This is our response. Repent, so change the way that we're living, and be baptized. And baptism, as St. Peter tells us here, isn't just to wash dirt away from our bodies, but to uh, align us with God's will, to put us uh, in the path through the power of his Holy Spirit to live uh, lives of righteousness. And the first way that we understand baptism, the first way that we start to get an idea about what this uh, miraculous sacrament is, is in the flood of Noah. So the Lord responds, this is very soon after the creation, the Lord uh, responds to the people on the earth that have been uh, begun to live uh, unrighteous lives, uh, lives full of sin and and decadence and decadence and evil. His response is to wash the world. And he does this through the flood. Now, the world at the time of creation was a very different place. The Lord built the world to be this womb of water. You remember that in the creation, the heavens are full of water. And so the whole world is, is surrounded by this thick blanket of water. And it looked very different than the world does today. So much so that uh, in this uh, deep and rich uh, place, the people were able to live for so much longer. There wasn't all this radiation coming in from the sun and from uh, the sky. And what happens in the flood is all that water that had been up in the atmosphere comes down into 
to the seas and, and goes under the earth into these under earth springs. And now sunlight is able to come forth through the sky and so then we get the rainbow. It's not that the Lord changed physics and didn't allow uh, you know, light to uh, be uh, transformed into the, the rainbow. It's that the light wasn't pouring forth in this way before the flood. And when all this flooding happens, the, the, the whole creation changes. It's been uh, totally remade. And the Lord is saying, I'm not going to do that again. The creation has been reshaped now. Of course, he's not going to uh, uh, change it with water. He leaves himself some other options, uh, like fire, right? Uh, but it won't be remade uh, by water in that way. And so he says that now your experience of sunlight coming in and the, and the reminder of the rainbow is my reminder and your reminder that the world has been remade. The world has been transformed. So that's the sign of God's covenant. And then he tells Noah and his sons and their wives, this is how I want you to live. He comes more explicit in the law and in his covenant. He tells them that they're not supposed to murder. He tells them they're not supposed to steal. He teaches them uh, what animals to eat. He begins to show them the way that they're supposed to live uh, their lives here in Genesis. And so they're supposed to be uh, transformed. We see baptism in this kind of washing over and over again in the Old Testament. We see the nation of Israel passing through the Red Sea. We see them crossing the River Jordan. We see this washing with water happen over and over again until the pinnacle of this washing is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And his baptism is reminding us over and over again about how God is responding to the evil in the world. What is God's response to evil. He comes down as God to become man. He descends to become man. And we see him descending again. He's in Nazareth by Galilee and he descends down uh, to the river Jordan to be baptized. And there he's washed by water. Why? Because he needs to be washed? Because um, he's unclean? No. Because he is cleansing our humanity. He's taken our flesh upon him. And so all of humanity, all of human flesh is being taken down by Jesus into the waters of baptism. He drags all of creation down with him. And then he raises all of creation back up out of that water. And he brings us up, our humanity, back up out of that water. And when we're brought up out, the whole heavens are torn open. We see the heavens torn open. This should remind us of the veil in the temple that's torn open at his crucifixion and resurrection. Heaven itself is torn open and the Holy Spirit pours forth through that tear in heaven and like a dove the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. Now we have two persons of the Holy Trinity present. We have God the Son in the flesh and we have the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And now we're ready for that third remark. We're ready for the words of the Father to be spoken. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And we... We can hear that same thing said to us when we are willing to die in baptism and to rise to new life again through the power of the Holy Spirit. We will get to say, hear that same word spoken to us. And then once he has the Spirit and this has been accomplished, he goes out into the wilderness for the 40 days of temptation that we are reminding ourselves and living in during the days of Lent. We're in that wilderness of temptation with Christ. 
And St. Peter ties these things together. He ties Christ's baptism and Noah's flood together. And this third chapter of his first letter, he ties them together and he says, Noah and Christ are the righteous who have been sacrificed for the unrighteous. That's us. Right? And this is exactly the opposite of what we would do. Because the way our society is created, the way that we rule our lives is to say, we're going to sacrifice the unrighteous for the righteous, right? That's what we do. We sacrifice the unrighteous. The Lord says, I'm going to sacrifice the righteous. I'm going to have Noah be the sacrifice. I'm going to have my son be the sacrifice. And so he is sacrificed for us. And when we participate in that sacrifice, when we allow ourselves to be sacrificed upon the cross of our own wills and temptation, we allow ourselves to be remade in repentance and to rise up out of those waters of baptism, then we are able to receive what St. Peter calls a good conscience. How wonderful is that? A good conscience. Sometimes we get a little peek at what that would be like. To have a good conscience. Perhaps after confession. I think after a great tragedy. And we're totally empty. And we completely submit ourselves to the Lord. We say, I've got nothing left, Lord. Everything belongs to you. We get a peek at what that's like. To have a good conscience. Totally free from sin totally free from shame, totally free from guilt, totally free from doubt, totally dependent upon our Lord. This is what's promised to us in holy baptism and in receiving the Holy Spirit and living our lives according to God's will. So why go out into temptation? That doesn't seem smart. If you've given up sweets for Lent, you don't go and hang out in the candy aisle. Right? Nobody would recommend that. And so why go out into the world? Why go out into temptation? But yet that's where we're going to go. We're going to leave this place, and we're going to go back out into the world, and that's what we're going to find. We're going to find temptation. And if we're naive... Or if we fool ourselves and think, oh, I won't be tempted, we're in trouble. But if we recognize the temptation of the world and we're on our guard and we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and we, we repent and we are depending upon the Holy Spirit and upon the Lord to direct our hearts and our minds, then we will bring forth his love in the world. We will show forth his love and his grace and his mercy and our lives will be transformed. People will look at us and say, wait a minute. They're living according to God's will. They're showing God's love. They're showing forth God's peace. And we will become agents and ministers of his transforming love. If only we will call upon the name of the Lord in temptation. Let us call upon his name this day and forevermore.